By 5.30 in the afternoon, the smell of scorched gunpowder was thick in every room. No one knew exactly how many shots had been fired, only that the old man had required more than anyone else, rising determinedly from the bed, one side of his forehead already blown open, but rising anyway as the bullets rained down upon him until he slumped back, finally still breathing, but only for a few seconds more. Another body lay beside his, thick and husky, the arms made strong by the rigorous farm labor he'd done all his life. In the next room, a third body sprawled face down across the small sofa, the legs hung over the side so that the feet touched the floor. In the opposite bedroom, two more men lay on a tiny bed, the blue smoke from the pistols still curling out the half-closed door. With five men dead, the only question that remained was what to do with the woman. She lay on her back beneath the kitchen table, whimpering softly, but entirely conscious, her blouse pulled over her breasts, her panties, and a crumpled mass beside her. The four men who moved about the trailer hardly glanced at her as they rifled through the drawers and cabinets and closets, looking for guns and money. From her place on the floor, it would have been hard to keep track of the men. The tiny windows of the trailer let in very little light, and that was further constricted by the curtains which hung over them. As for the lights inside the trailer, the men had not turned them on, preferring to skulk through the rooms in a gloomy shadow, muttering to each other about their next move, their eyes averted, as if they did not want to remind themselves that she was still there, still alive, that there was one to go. In the end, it was a topic that could not be avoided, however, and they discussed their options quietly while she continued to lie beneath the kitchen table, her eyes combing its low ceiling, or crawling along the walls and windows, lighting from time to time on some little knick-knack she'd bought across the border in Florida, or in one of the small shops in nearby Donaldsonville. She married her husband Jerry only a few years before in a ceremony at the Spring Creek Baptist Church, a small wood-framed sanctuary that sat on a shady hill a few miles from the trailer. All Jerry's relatives had crowded into the church that day, the whole all-day clan. Among them, Ned, Jerry's father, dressed in his Sunday best, Aubrey, Ned's brother, beaming from the front pew. Shuggy and Jimmy, the two brothers who kidded Jerry mercilessly, their faces grinning over their roughly knotted ties. All their bodies were with her now, their feet dangling from the beds or off the sofa, their shoes still encrusted with the rich topsoil of their farm. The strangers told her to get up, and one of them stepped over and jerked her roughly from the floor. He was a short man, hardly more than a boy, with long dark hair that swept over one eye. Earlier he'd called her a bitch and slapped her while the others looked on, waiting their turn. Then he'd forced her down first to her knees, then onto her back, ripping at her clothes, his hands all over her, his teeth sinking into her breast, breaking the skin, leaving a jagged purple mark. Get dressed, he barked. She'd worn turquoise pants and a matching sweater to work that day, and she put them back on slowly already exhausted, standing completely still except for the trembling, while the blindfold was pulled tightly over her eyes, then another cloth stuffed into her mouth. A few seconds later she was outside, the last light of afternoon pouring over the undulating rows of freshly planted corn and beans and peanuts 
as they pushed her toward the waiting car.